I saw you try to do that to me. <laughs> right. I almost caught him in a bad romance. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Gaga's music is super catchy, though. Um, so normally I don't love <laughs> pop music, but I really do like Lady, Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga's so good, dude. That's that's good shit. A Star Is Born was uh, badass. I, I think she does a uh, lot of attraction stuff because she talks about manifesting yep. and all that. Yep. I don't remember anything off the top of my head of what she said about it, but I know I've heard. No, I, I, that doesn't surprise me in the least. I feel like a lot of musicians will themselves into creating what they want. Oh yeah. And then it, you hear it in the music too. That's like where yeah. the idea behind like Ozzy Osbourne is really interesting to me Yeah. because like Black Sabbath is so bad, dude. Mm-hmm. Like War Pigs is so bad. And when you listen to the lyrics, and they bad, are, good. yeah, with two D's. 2Ds. Um, B-A-D-D bad. Anyway, uh, <laughs> War Pigs is just so like parent, oh, all of it. Mm. Ozzy Osbourne kicks so much ass. But the thing is like, then you see Ozzy Osbourne like in his stasis mode and he's like, uh, yeah. you know, and it's like, it's it feels like part of the character because did you hear It him, could be. Did you hear him sing on that Post Malone song? No, I didn't actually. Oh my God. God, it is sick. Like, I have chills thinking about it. Because I also am a huge fan of Post Malone as well. Yeah. I think Post Malone is, like, one of those, like, really clever artists. Uh-huh. That's, like, taken a piece of, like, all sorts of different things and just cultivated. He's very clever. I'm curious to see where he goes from here. Because I think he has a lot of depth. I'd love yeah. to see him get into something heavy. Well, and that's why, um, and even the that punk rock uh, NBA guy has talked about it. Um, he says right now, like rock culture versus rap culture rap. It's like people are trying to be successful and people are trying to support each other in their success where in rock right now, uh, they talk about lost love and jealousy and hurt and pain and which is fine. That's a good thing to get out. Um, but there is a lot of jealousy in the scene and I've been, uh, I've been guilty of it. The thing about gonna music lie. that's like <laughs> dangerous is like every scene that you go to, there's always quote unquote something wrong with it. Yeah. And, and like that kind of drives me nuts. That's just I, people. Like, yeah, that's how it is in Denver. Like Denver yeah. is like cool, except da, 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 well, da, that's and this why... and that and this and that. That's how Vegas was too, dude. Like Vegas is so clicky, but it's not any more clicky than anywhere else. Yeah. I just tried to like project my stuff onto it. Because, like, Vegas wasn't that bad. It's the same thing as Salt Lake. Like, I've already heard people, like, beating the same drum that I heard when I was living in Las Vegas. Well, it's all the same. Um, Yeah, it's it's like pride. It's pride and in uh, insecurity with being vulnerable. Yeah. Like, when I hear somebody who's coming up with something clever and I didn't come up with it, I've, like, gotten over being jealous of that because I'm just, I would rather know how they did it. Yeah, well, and it makes it I'm, more conducive to you knowing how they did it if if you appreciate it and you're like, that was pretty funny. That, like, allows yeah. your brain to figure it out better. Where, like, if you get upset about it, you sort of block it out. My favorite thing little... to say when I'm listening to music at this point, like, if somebody, like, last night I was hanging out with this person who I'm I'm becoming friends with, and and he was like, yeah, check out this song that I wrote, you know? And it was, it was great, you know? And... Uh, my go-to response anymore when I listen to music and enjoy it was, is that was really fun to listen to. Yeah. I, cause nothing is more lame than going like, dude, love the part where the drums went from like, to like, diggy, 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 diggy. That was so cool, dude. It's like, shut the fuck up. It's fine. If you do that, like, I'm not trying to like condemn you. I just am in a place now where it's like, 
talking about the music sucks the life out of it. You know, it's like leave the music where it was and then just go back and listen to it again. Yeah. Did it make you feel good? Yeah. If yes, it, then you, then the box is checked. Yeah, dude. Um, it's like get off the ride. It's fine. You know, <laughs> like I, I try to be careful too when I'm like getting into like music theory or like compositional analysis or forms or things like that because it's also a, another really fun way to suck the life out of music too. To I be know. Like, oh, dude, Beethoven did this because of this and this and this. It's like no, that's not inherently true. Beethoven <laughs> did that because he was inspired by something creative. Everything else is like a byproduct. Yeah. You know? So it's like uh, the thing I'm always telling myself when I'm like studying something like from an academic perspective and it's like for retention's sake. Yeah, I don't even like to say that phrase, but yeah, it's for retention. Like when you're learning about like music or, or like th- like chord structures or like yeah. scale patterns and like how they behave melodically and harmonically, right? Like I learned all that shit to forget it. Yeah. And I, I think uh, I've already said this on here before, but it's like the most dangerous thing you can be doing like when you're improvising or when you're coming up with something is thinking about it. Well, um, learning the technique and all of that and the theory, I think it's a way of showing your subconscious what to do or how to handle certain things. Cause I know, um, my drumming got to the next level when I got, there's this classic snare drumming, uh, technique book. It's called stick control and it's been around since like 1900. And it's like one of the staples of drumming and just going through, doing all the patterns, all the, you know, double strokes, triple strokes, and, you know, very odd patterns, making your hands more ambidextrous. And I'm like doing these patterns and I'm like, how the fuck am I even going to weave this into my music? But when I go to band practice and we write a new song, I find it just coming out because I consciously reviewed it and essentially gave the material over to my subconscious and my unconscious. And it's going to work its magic and give it back to me in a way that, just sounds really, really good. Yeah, well, and not only, yeah, yeah, I, I dig that. I think what it's doing is making the music more authentic to what it is you're trying to think. So, yeah. the way that I had it described to me before was like when you're studying music from like a technical perspective, mm-hmm. you're trying to make it more clear what you're trying to convey. Yeah. And so, it's like, and every instrument is just a channeling device of your expression. So, yeah. like when people go, like, dude, I'm like a guitar player, I'm like, <laughs> Cool. Like, that's fine. I'm not yeah. going to, I'm not going to criticize you, but I would much rather like, no, I, I'm not ever going to tell someone what to do for me. I like to think of myself as an artist. Yeah. Like I'm, I, or as somebody, as somebody yeah. who's trying to be They're creative, just tools. Trying to be creative. They're yeah. all tools. Like, it's like a paintbrush. Dude, versus like, there was one time I was on an elevator and there was like two like bells going off back and forth <laughs> inside of each Bless other. Me. Nice. And uh, they were going, these two bells in the elevator are going off back and forth inside of each other. And I look at these, this other guy who's on the elevator with me and they stop. And I just looked at him and I was like, mm. like just, fucking, it was so funky. And he just started laughing. He's like, I heard it like that too. And we didn't know each other or anything. Yeah. I just was like, that was like just a really a special memory. We're just both like, yeah, dude, <laughs> it was cool, man. Nice. And um, so, oh, what was he going to say? Oh yeah. So it's kind of like. I don't know. I feel like it's learning more commands of like a programming language to allow you to do more of what you actually want in that medium. Right. So uh, if you're going to use that analogy, it's like when I'm looking at a website, if I'm just looking at a website and I'm like digging the website, I'm not thinking about what the HTML looks like. Right. Right. But, but the HTML is what makes it. Yes. Right. Yep. And so it's like, and it's boring. Yes. Like any layman who looks at it, who doesn't have an inherent interest with it, it looks boring, and it is a, literally a foreign language, um, and they don't care about it. And they the they don't need to care about it. It's nuanced. Yeah, 
And and th- there is something sacred in that. Like when I catch myself composing music, like I'm right now, I'm like attempting, like in my lifetime, I want to write a symphonic piece for symphony orchestra. Uh, and I've had like melodies in my head. Shorty is a melody in my head. Whoa, I think that's Sean mm. Kingston. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I, I like these ideas, and then I like. I, I will start to think through, but anyway, the reason that I bring that up is just because when I'm thinking about the compositional process, like I have this uh, really step-by-step thing, but it's like meditative where I start by having like a catchy melody, something I've been seeing to myself in the shower, something that won't leave my head, something I'm humming to myself. Like I've got really simple stuff that like can't leave my head. Like one time I heard this bird singing, I was in uh, my hometown in, in Southern Idaho, a small farm town. I was on a walk to the library and I heard this bird sing, and I was like, oh, that was so bad. Like, what was that? That was <laughs> dope. And so I kept thinking over it, and then I turned on the voice memos on my phone, and I sang it to myself. And I forgot about it for, like, two months. Then I was going through my voice memos, and I found it, and it, and it aged like a fine wine. I was like, yeah. damn, that is bad as fuck. So then I started, like, writing all of these things around that, right? It was like and, – and the way that I was exploring it from a compositional perspective wow, was way like, to copy. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, 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 I need to give that bird credit or I'm going to get canceled. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I I would hear that melody and then I would start to think of, like, all the attributes of what it made me feel, like, circumstantially to when I was experiencing that. Because I'd written it all down in a journal. Nice. So I could go back to the journal and, like, think about what I was, like, thinking in that perspective and then, like, try to convey that musically. So the thing is, though, is, like, so let's say that I get all this written out for for symphony symphonic pieces are all ready to go there's an orchestra that wants to play it (laughs) uh and and they go to play it like i don't want to have to tell them that i don't want to tell them what i was thinking i want the music to like imply that so plainly to them that they understand because nothing drives me more nuts than going to go see like a symphony orchestra concert and and i feel like i'm always hypercritical of classical musicians uh, not i think i know i am the part of the reason is because i think that they constantly try to justify their art with words when it's like just let yeah. the music let the music do the talking and but i also understand they're trying to cast a wider net to like market to people that aren't musicians but that's the idea that that music is dead and it's okay it's okay that that music is dead yeah there's like so many people in the classical community well, that i don't think it is not. totally totally though it's just never gonna be mainstream well ever again well here Here's what I mean by it's dead is it's not sustained by anyone that isn't a musician or, or somebody that has a genuine curiosity for it. Like you layman's are not going to want to go listen to Beethoven nine. Albeit they know I don't all know. of it to Beethoven 9. I'm telling you. Here's the thing. I don't okay, know. Let me, let me ask you this. There's gotta be subculture. Let, let me ask you this. <laughs> if the Salt Lake symphony was playing Beethoven nine on December 4th, Okay, it's a Saturday, and there's also a Van Halen cover band in town that weekend. Which one gets more attraction? Well, I don't know, cause cover bands annoy me. So, oh, I, really, dude, a Van so, Halen cover band would be so badass. So my my own, I guess, projection of it is probably sure. blocking me from enjoying that. So I used to be. I used to think um, the same way too. Um, of where I I'm, don't. I like hearing covers. I just don't know if I like cover bands. Oh, really? I'm yeah. always down. I'm always down. There's a really good Metallica cover band in Boise. Yeah. They're fantastic. I mean, they've got the, the guitar solos down packed. They are nice. actually really, really yeah. good. I love going to cover band shows because it's literally... I think, a, I think this it, is why. I'm ready. 
I think it's because I associate cover bands with like divey bars where like I have no fun at all. Oh, that's the only place I, I have fun. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was kidding. <laughs> I'm talking, you you know, like the butt rock or the dad rock. Oh, yeah. Just, I don't like it. Oh, um, I don't have a me, good time. I don't me know. either. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was not listening to Alice in Chains earlier. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, the thing for me is I try to like, if music makes me uncomfortable, I try to lean into it. Mm. That's how I've been with EDM. I can never get hip to like the dial-up I... music, but now I, dude, I've found some stuff that I'm really into. I like, like some electronic oh, stuff. Oh my God. House music is so badass, dude. The house scene in mm. Las Vegas is badass. Like oh, I'm sure the house, the house musicians that are coming up with shit there. It is so fun to listen to, especially on drugs, like on drugs, dude. Like I'm telling you just like on MDMA listening to like house music, mm. it, it just like pulsates through your body. It feels electric, like almost I've orgasmic, never done that. almost orgasmic. It's, it's pretty psychedelic. I'd be open to it. MDMA sure. is pretty psychedelic. Um, the reason why I haven't had him, one of the reasons why I haven't had MDMA yet is cause I've been on SSRIs. And it's dangerous. Oh, I didn't know that. Because it could cause it could cause like a serotonin syndrome. That okay, I did um, hear about that. It's questionable with like LSD or DMT or uh, psilocybin, but I, I think it's okay because the the, mo- the molecular structures aren't similar. Where like MDMA like makes your brain dump all of its serotonin. So it's funny that you said that because what. What I was forgetting to mention was I was hanging out with this, like, new friend of mine in Salt Lake. Uh, we met at, like, a bookstore. I don't know if I told the story on the pod. Um, I don't think you I did. Went into the, I went into this bookstore in Salt Lake looking for a copy of Man and His Symbols. Oh, I think I did tell the story. On the podcast? Uh, maybe I did. I don't remember. I don't know. Any, if I have, if I have then both, you can skip yeah. ahead. But we've been drinking a little bit. But Well, we're, and we're, we're also, good. like, kind of neurodivergent, so we don't remember anything. Yeah, right, so. right. Um <laughs> uh, I, I met this guy at the bookstore. Super cool. Like he, we were picking each other's brains, and he was obviously really well read and just like really knew how to have a conversation. I was looking for Man and His Symbols, couldn't find it by Jung uh, from the previous podcast we were talking. Uh, he put me on a wait list for the book, and then um, he said as soon as they had it, they would give me a call. And I got home. I live about a mile and a half from the bookstore, and I got a phone call as soon as I walked in the house. Hey, uh, this is like a crazy synchronicity, but we have a copy of it. And so I went back and got it. Uh, anyway, I ran into him again. I was at this coffee shop across the street from it. Like it's just right there in sugar house. And, uh, I was just like sipping on the bevy, you know, and he just shows up again. And I was just like, Hey guy. And we just started chatting again. Okay. And then, and then I came to the bookstore again and I talked to him. We hadn't like swapped numbers or anything to hang out or anything like that. You know what I mean? Uh, but then I was at work cause I work like just a couple blocks away from there. And he just walks in one night randomly. And I was like, okay, we need to hang out. And he was yep. like, yeah, totally. So anyway, we did. And we got to talking and he said this really interesting thing about DMT. Like when he first did DMT, what he was thinking the whole time was like, oh, like this is what they are talking about when they're writing their music. Like he was just taught. He kept talking mm. about this universal idea of like love, like being in love, the idea of like falling out of love or having your heart broken. It's all like part of what music is about. And mm. like. It was such an interesting thing to hear him say that because I've thought the same thing before. Like, I nothing makes me... This is, like, really, like... Have you had DMT? I have not done DMT. I have. Okay. I 
I'm down to have this conversation because I know that we've talked a little bit. Yeah. Um, the only reason that I'm paranoid about DMT is because of some of the horror stories I've heard about after if you overdo it. I don't know how you would overdo it, but I've only had it once. Um, the interesting thing. Okay, so I didn't blast off and I took like several big hits and I could not take off and I don't know why. Hmm. I sort of went though. I had this this they call it the like cell shading effect where everything almost looked like looks like it's in a cartoon. Um, I was swept up with like warmth and relaxation and I was super nervous. I was like more nervous and shaky than my dog like sure. going up to do it. So maybe maybe the nerves could have blocked something I don't know. Hmm. Because I had, I mean, I had several big hits, and I kind of felt bad because I was like, I'm smoking all your DMT and nothing's happening. Sure. Um, so I had the cell shading, and I sort of relaxed back into my chair. I closed my eyes. I had a little bit of the geometric shapes, and then I, I sort of had a vision where I saw like my, I, I was like looking at my own brain. And I saw like electrical impulses lighting up my own brain. Yeah. Um, but that's about as trippy as it got. Like I didn't go feel out of body or anything. Like mm. I've gotten way more out of body with ketamine. Sure. Than even on DMT. So it, that's that was funny weird. that you say that. Cause I, I, and in my experience, I can't tell you how many people I've met that have been like, Oh, I overdid it on mushrooms one time and it ruined my life. Like it was the scariest thing I ever did. Mm. Um, that's me on acid. I've overdone it on acid and been in hell. Yeah. For eight hours. Oh, yeah. It was nuts. Well, it probably feels like years. Oh, when yeah, you're, yeah. When you're on it. Because yeah. it's like ketamine. It feels like, well, to me, like 50 years the, when you're on a really high do- dose. The, so I've had acid before where I've I've blasted off on acid respectfully or flipped yeah. over, as they say. Um, sorry, I keep getting away from the microphone just because I'm being silly. Um, the, the What I was getting at, though, is like I've never had a bad mushroom trip. Granted... I, one thing that I always do when I have mushrooms is I drink alcohol. Hmm. There's a, like a huge correlation between the relationship of alcohol in your body and what it does to your liver and consuming psilocybin simultaneously. I haven't heard about that. There's like a ceremonial thing to it. Yeah. What does it do? I don't know the science to it. All I know is it takes the edge off. Like, cause I've done them sober. And the thing for me with mushrooms sober is like, if you start to look behind the curtain too much, you can (sighs) freak yourself out while you're tripping because you just are like kaleidoscoping and you're seeing all sorts of shit and you're like, Oh fuck. Yeah. But if you start to wonder where it's coming from, then you can like <laughs> let yourself freak out and just be like, where, what am I um, in this giant thing? Like, where is my purpose? But if you're drinking, you cut that edge off. So like I yeah. was, I was at this, there's this cl- private club in uh, Vegas called Commonwealth and it's like, it's a dope spot, but it's expensive sure. as fuck to get in there. And my one buddy, they're actually coming up t- tomorrow to oh, hang nice. out just, uh, put a pin in that um my one buddy was like i'll pay for you to get in like come with us and i was like like, i'm down except i am currently on a fucking wild mushroom (laughs) trip so like and i met up with him at another bar like not to get too far to the story but i ended up working with him at this vegan restaurant that i was cooking at in vegas it was like this premier spot and he was from tampa and he had cooked at this fucking killing vegan spot there. And so we like hit it off anyway. So he pays for me to get into this club, just a little anecdote. And we were in the club and I remember I was looking at everyone in the room and then all of a sudden it, everybody in the room fit the animation of the original Scooby-Doo TV show. Like everything in the room looked like the original Scooby-Doo TV like show. Like all the 
Yeah, like it was reused so animation crazy. and reused. It was like, so crazy. It looked like a cartoon. Every every single thing in there, including me, I'm like looking at myself and just laughing. I'm like I'm in a cartoon. But I was drunk. So I was like here, but I was inebriated yeah. and the mushrooms just but granted this was a healthy dose too. That was like four and a half grams. Jeez. Yeah, that wasn't even the most I ever did. I fucking did a quarter of mushrooms by myself one time and that was insane. And I was also drunk for that. But I got like drunk and then the mushrooms kind of kicked me into sobriety mode. Yeah. And I had to experience that. And I did it in public. Both times. Both times those heroic dose well, the five G isn't a yeah. heroic dose, but the seven and a half is for right. sure. Yeah. I wonder I, um I'm a huge fan of it. I wonder if having some mushroom in public could help with my social anxiety. It makes me let go of like everything. Like yeah. I was like, dan- like I always dance to the club, but normally I'm like drunk. So there's like a little bravado to it. I'm like, Hey ladies, you know, but like when I was drunk and on mushrooms yeah. dancing at the club, I was just like, what's up everybody. Like huh. I was just Hi, super happy to be there. I, I was just super happy to be there. Um, so it's interesting that you talked about the alcohol thing because, um, so there's this free, it's like an illustrated kind of introduction grimoire to chaos magic. It's called the Psychonaut Field Manual, and the artist goes by Blue Flake. And it's done in like Japanese cartoon style, but it's actually really good. I would I would recommend it. If you just Google it, you can literally yeah. download it for free. But um, what Blue Flake talks about in the Psychonaut Field Manual is if you're working with spirits or whatever and if things get too like scary or intense for you they recommend having alcohol to tamper it down huh um and i don't know if there is like a science behind that i don't know if it's grounding in some way i could in see a, it. in a weird way at, at least when it comes to that stuff i'll tell you what i'm never when i'm anxious or by that or the cat out of the bag i'm never anxious when i'm drunk I'm, really? a, I'm a naturally pretty anxious person. If I'm drunk, never anxious. Mm. Yeah. Even in like a fist fight drunk, like it helps not to me. like, not to pat myself on the back. I'm just saying like, I've gotten into a, an altercation before respectfully was not my fault. And I was like drunk, but here, and I was not anxious about it at all. Partly because I was like confident that I hadn't done anything wrong. So I was like, you could be as grumpy at me as you want. And I understand that we're both inebriated uh, and you're taking like <laughs> big old slugs at me. I didn't do anything wrong, you know? Um, but I wasn't even panicking in, in sober life though. If someone took a shot at me, my fight or flight would kick on and I would immediately go into street fighter mode and I'd be like, sure you can, you know, like I would just like fucking like panic, even though I've like grown up in a circumstance where I'm like more comfortable with that. Right. Yeah. But the the point I'm trying to make is just like, that is probably the most anxious circumstance I could be in. Mm. You know, dude, I had a guy at work today. There's this gentleman who's like, uh, I mean, they're in a rough situation. It was obvious that they hadn't like bathed in a, right. a while. You understand? Right. And I, I don't know if they had a place to call home. I'm trying to really like tread lightly in giving them any kind of label. Yeah. Um, benefit because of that sucks. Like yeah. regardless. Anyway, they were trying to get something from where I work. And I was like, I understand I need to ring you up right here. And there's like other places in the store that you can pay for your stuff. But like we needed to do it right there because they were at risk of potentially shoplifting. Yeah. Which I genuinely like don't give a shit. I'm just doing my job. Like if somebody steals yeah. from the store, I'm not going to say that. But like I, I, I genuinely shoplifting is a gray area. <laughs> let's, for me. let's just say uh, <laughs> most people who make a certain income level who work in certain retail don't care don't give a flying they fuck don't unless care unless you're being a really flagrant asshole yeah yeah just 
just I'm not telling you to do it. I'm just saying, but like, just get it done. Well, I um, mean, if they make, if they have not revenue, but like profit of like hundreds of millions, dude, I, I don't feel bad. Yeah, I don't either. I don't shoplift. I, I don't because um, it makes me too paranoid. Well, same, but like, I'm not, I don't care if someone else does. I'm Fuck like, no. yeah, dude, I've got this friend. I've got a really good internet friend who is a one of a kind dude, like so interesting. He's like a, uh, vlogger kind of, but he does it all through pictures and stories mm. of his life. He lives out of a camper in his car. He, he calls oh, himself cool. homeless. Mm-hmm. He's vegan straight edge. Seriously. One of the coolest dudes. And he just barely got back online. He was going through some heavy shit. And now he's like back online. And, um, one of my favorite people, um, I would love to have him on here eventually. Ooh. Yeah. Um, he's anyway, sure. anyway, the reason I bring him up is he is just like, he will shoplift like three days worth of food from Walmart. Yeah. And he like comes with their like really creative vegan meals and shoplifts them. And he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. And, and he's That's even the thing. I, I feel like if, if you're scared to shoplift, you're more likely to like attract getting caught. Yes. 100%. If you, if you have like any, if you're scared at all, or if you have any hangups about it. Yep. They can smell it. Then you're just energetically like lit up like a Christmas tree. Well, dude, I I worked for a Walmart. I worked for a Walmart that brings in about $80 million worth of profit a year. Yeah. And they accounted for like two and a half million dollars worth of shrink. Yeah. Well, they Walmart doesn't even track losses anymore, dude. Because it costs them more money to track, to track the losses to than to just write it off. Just hemorrhage. Yeah, yeah. that's dude, fucking and, and insane. Did you also know that they like can't <laughs> when they're doing an apprehension, they can't physically touch you. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Walmart policy is like so even the asset protection out. people. Yeah, if they get close to you, you just tell them to fuck off. Like, and they can follow you to your car and get your license plate number, but they're literally just mall yeah. cops. They can't do shit to you, dude. Back in the I day, mean, back in the day, in the you early, wouldn't want that to happen because they would probably pull footage if like they had proof but how how dude i've worked for the company a lot of the time you're just cutting your losses right unless you're a return victim yeah dude. right dude this is how bad it is i feel kind of bad saying this but i also don't care there was a guy (laughs) that would do this money trick he would go from store to store to store in southern and eastern idaho okay and he would be like he would pay for something and he would give way too much money Oh, and then the he would change be like, back yeah, scheme. and he would do, hey, the change back, can I get it? this, 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 and this? Yeah, that And he would throw them me. for a loop and make hundreds and hundreds of dollars at each store, dude. And he was a fucking fox about it. I got to see CCTV footage of him doing it, and it was literally like a magic trick, okay? He was doing it at like 10 different Walmarts. He would do it every three weeks, and he had a circuit that he would do, okay? Mm. And they just let him fucking do it. Mm-hmm. Even after they got the proof. Even after they had the proof. Because it costs too much to track them down and prosecute them. Yep. Yep. They were literally like, they're... That goes to show you how, like, fake money truly is. I think think money is totally just... I think it is just the economy, the economy in and of itself, a marketplace economy is a faith based system that adheres to traditions like this GameStop shit that has proven to me things that I already knew, but that the stock market isn't real. Yeah. Like it's all a game. It's all a game. It's, it's It's, literally, it's it's, it's all hemorrhaging. It's, it's just like monopoly, but it's a thousand times more complicated and everyone agrees to play the game. But it's literally just a made-up game. That's what it is. And, um... I mean, that's why, like, you shouldn't feel bad about manifesting money or trying to get money in a way that makes you comfortable. Because it's... Well, 
<laughs> Here's my thing. So I like to think of myself politically as an anarchist uh, with communist leanings. I I lean towards anarchy. I, I don't know what I am anarchy right now. Anarchy is the pool that I lean that I that I swim in. I, th- I communism think... is the idea that I dream of. Yeah. Although although the caveat is I know that it is also just as unattainable as capitalism. Right. If not more. <laughs> you can make the argument one way or another because we haven't had good communal structures in the last like 30 years. Like honestly, the only good communal structure that I can like that's around right now that I can like nobly be like, this is a good example of organization and solidarity is Cuba. Mm. Yeah. Cause they've literally told the United States to fuck off for 60 years now yeah. and fucking gotten away with it. And, and, and mind you, I'm really getting in the weeds here though, but like, you notice how like, Every so often, there's some sort of threat that Cuba has nuclear weapons, mm-hmm. and then it goes away and comes back and goes yeah. away. That's American propaganda. That's not real. Cuba's right. not ever going to initiate a nuclear war because they're too focused on making sure that their people are taken care of. Yeah. Okay. And so th- this comes back to this idea. I'm I'm going into a ton of stuff right here, but like, well, the United States just sent so, uh, Hellcats over Iran. Did you hear about this? I heard about it. And dude, and literally and all that's saying to them is like, fuck you, quit trying to fuck around with trade on the oil. Um, yeah, it's, it's not a gonna, message. It's, it's a message. But this is what drives me nuts, though, dude, is like I'm tired of the United States being the puppet that's like orchestrated by every other superpower to go in and bully. Yeah. They're literally the Nelson from Simpsons. Yeah. They're, like we are Nelson, like, and then we show feelings like on yeah. that one episode. I'm getting really niche here, but like Where's there's the... an episode of Simpsons where Nelson and then Lisa they start dating and shit. It's one of my favorite episodes of Simpsons. But Nelson, the bully, the one who's always whooping Millhouse's ass, he like shows feelings for Lisa. It's actually super cute. But and then at the end of it, he's like, "Oh, I can't be with you," you know. And then they like agree it's like amicable. And then there's the older bullies above him that he kind of does the bidding of like the yeah. older bullies, right? And we are literally that. Well, the U.S. is the Essentially, the muscle of the first world. Yes, um, and we love it. Well, yeah, we as a society. Yes, not we individually. Well, I think <laughs> we, I think I, I think as soon as we start paying for things with De Niro, as soon as we use American dollars, where we are agreeing that we are cool with it. That's like it's a hard place yeah. to like draw a line in the sand because well, it's like I don't know about that because we. The only other option is to go off the grid, and that is way harder than, oh, yeah. than playing the game. Oh yeah. So I, I don't, I wouldn't say we're okay with it, but we do agree to it. Well, I mean like, look at this dude, the first <sighs> is, so we're in black history month, you know, mm-hmm. February, we celebrated black history month, the first of February by bombing Somalia. Is that what happened this year? Yes. Oh, we yeah. just bombed Somalia. Jesus. Okay. And then also, um, we are talking about sending more troops into Iraq because they bombed that. I embassy. did see that. We, and we talked about this last time, but then, and then you've got the tensions right now in, uh, Pakistan, India. It's like, there's all these like whispers of war, mm-hmm. all these whispers of war. They're not going to happen because all, all these, all these countries like doing is LARPing like, yeah, because like I, I was actually talking to a friend last night, an anonymous friend actually. This is different, but uh, they were they were talking about how like in Syria during the Syrian civil wars, like a heyday, 
the Spetsnaz, like the uh, Russian Special Forces and the uh, United States Navy SEALs, were constantly in like war theater battles, like scrimmages. Yeah, they'd like take one or two casualties each side, right? Yeah, but they were literally like showing off each other's special forces to each other yeah. in Syria. They were like being like, check out how badass this. Well, is. that's and pretty I heard much something about it that. It was essentially proxy yes yeah well i mean the whole syrian civil war is proxy yeah it's russia trying most to wars like poke. in the since korea are proxy yeah i would yeah, say i agree I, most. you could even make the case that well at least well, yeah, when, yeah at least if the u.s or the or russia or china is, is involved. involved in any way oh yeah then and, it's a proxy and you also it's got that uh that myanmar um coup d'etat that's happening right now did you hear about that I've heard about it peripherally. Do you want to know what's fucking crazy about that? Is like so in Myanmar, the term Facebook and the term internet are the same word in their language. Because oh, every single Because they all use Facebook? Yes, every okay. single device that you can purchase there that is connected to the internet connects Come. through Facebook. Okay, mm. so you use Facebook almost as a search engine. Oh jeez. Okay. So the reason that this is important is because Myanmar's been having an ethnic genocide over the last three years yeah. and it's been being organized through Facebook because when Zuckerberg fucking bless his fucking sweet little heart fucking introduced Facebook to Myanmar, he didn't understand the culture that was going on there and realize that they're having huge cultural tiffs over religion. Yeah. So he single hand, well, perhaps not single handedly, but Facebook for sure. Single handedly helped orchestrate an ethnic cleansing in Myanmar and now a coup d'etat. And the Western world is just like fucking ignoring it. Cause we love that kind of shit. Anything to destabilize the region. We're cool with, but yeah, yeah. as of right now, as you're listening to this, there is military power in Myanmar that controls the government. And that is not a problem. That's not a problem to us. We're not freaking well, out. They're going to streamline. I did read a little bit about it. Um, ever since the military takeover, it is going to streamline their ability to carry out the genocide. Yeah. And that is just oh, yeah. fucking. Did you see that yoga video? Yeah, where the one girl there's like a woman that's doing yoga like on dancing. the theater and she's dancing, and behind her you can see the them literal coup the, the is coup fucking is happening. happening. It's it that that's shit dark was so dystopian. When I was watching that, I was just like, no fucking way! Like, how did I end up in this timeline? Like, what karma pushed me to here? Because this is crazy. Well, I don't think this is my theory now. I think stuff like this has happened all the time. And we're just seeing it because of technology. I agree with that 100%. The caveat to it is I go back to the Terrence McKenna idea of moving to the singularity because mm. we're pretty close. I don't, I don't think time is linear to where we converge on the singularity. It's this idea of the world ending, you know, like we're closer to the idea of the world ending now than we have ever been before. Right. And we're going to be even closer next year and the year after that. It's just going to continue to feel closer. Like when you think about everything that's happening, I personally don't think that the world's going to end, but like this feeling that something sure. big is coming, right? I personally think it's when we either have the birth of artificial intelligence or uh, we have alien contact that shows us that we are they and then they connect us in a loop. Yeah. Not to like just be super blase with that answer, but, but I like, but I the, like that idea. But the, the, I'm down the point that. that I'm trying to drive home about uh -huh. this is, um, Terrence McKenna says, the closer that we get to the singularity, the weirder shit is going to get. Yeah. Well, and I talked to Matt about it a while ago. Um, but, like, I think uh, with the widespread access of, like, pornography and, like, specifically weird or fetish porn, stuff like furry or, you know, like, the diaper adults and all that. And I don't judge that. I'm not, like, bringing it up to make fun of it. What I'm saying is, like, a lot of that stuff, I think... 
a lot of younger people, some of their first like sexual experiences will be coming across just the weirdest shit on the internet and it's going to make them weird. And then it's going <laughs> to propagate the weirdness. Yeah. Um, the provocation is what yeah. I'm going to say. Uh, it's like weird. Yeah. The difference between me for me between weird and provocative is provocative is something that makes me really uncomfortable. Uh. Weird is something that makes me like unstable. Huh? And like, so like, I mean, and this is not to get too personal, but for me, like sexually, there's very little that makes me feel weird anymore. Cause I've I'm tried the same way. I've I mean, tried so much provocative shit. Like it's, I, I've like, you name it. I've tried it. Like I've been like, sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm more blossoming when it comes to that regard, but it's, I'll, I'll just say nothing surprises me anymore. Fair enough. That's kind of what makes it um, fun though. That's kind of yeah. what makes it fun. I was talking to, I was talking to this guy as long as there's consent. Yeah, totally. No, but for real. Yeah. I think that that's like literally the ballpark that we now play in, yeah. in the world of sexuality. Cause for me, like sex to me is like this idea of like an exploration of like the present moment with another person mm, yeah. and like, you're like being hyper present. I was just thinking about this. Like, yeah, it's kind of like, like music. TMI. Yeah. It literally like is when like you're, music. when you're performing in front of an audience. Yes. To me, it's a similar it's, experience. It's and a I, similar feeling too. I've cause I've had performances live and it, it's just something about being present in the moment. Because when you play music or if you're having sex, um, ideally you're present in the moment. And I've had live performances uh, where afterwards it's like felt like I feel even like more relieved and better than if I just had like a great orgasm. I like I'm like, oh, that was awesome. I agree. Like it's like a stress uh, reliever. Was, yeah. Yeah. I follow you. Man, if I use the restroom. Yeah, go ahead. Cool. Are we going to Joe Rogan it and I can keep talking? I actually think that's how we should do it. <laughs> okay. What else? What else? What else? Um, so I heard a clip. So I'm a big fan of the band AFI. And I follow Davey Havoc on Instagram. Um, and I heard a clip from him on a podcast um, where he was talking about straight edge and veganism. And he said, I didn't love what he said about it. Um, but when he was talking about drugs, he says not doing drugs is something out of respect for yourself because you're not inebriated and you're not liable to, um, take action that would be harmful to either yourself or someone else. And I guess to a degree, I can agree with that, but I, I don't think that's a good blanket blanket statement to say about drugs. Um, because there are some people, I mean, who require like an SSRI to live on or to, to, you know, to be able to at least get out of bed and, perform the work that allows them to sustain their own life. Um, and I would go as far to say as, um, Ooh, bless you. Uh, I would go as far as to say, like even some alcoholics, I wonder if because they do drink alcohol, they haven't killed themselves yet. Um, um, that's an interesting place to come back on. I actually have yeah. some thoughts myself. Um, like, 
So what I'm saying is I, I don't – so what I just said uh, to the audience is I heard a clip. I like the band AFI and I like like Davey Havoc and stuff. Old um, AFI is so fucking even, sick. Even new AFI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. The but last old, two, old. three albums have been killer. They, yes. Yeah, um, but the old shit is so sick. It's all good. I, okay. I like every. I'm not single. trying to be a purist. No, you're good. I, I like all. I like all of them. Anyway, but um, so like Davey Havoc, he was on. I heard a clip from him on a podcast, and he was talking about Straight Edge, and it, it came off really holier than thou. And when he talks about it, to me, it does. It almost always comes off that way from him. But he was talking about not doing drugs is respecting yourself. It's all about respect and. If you get inebriated, you might take some action that you normally normally wouldn't, and I just I don't like that blanket. I agree coat. with that. I agree with that. I, I do think, too. A I think it's point. the lenticular perspective of it, though. Yeah. Like, because I I've been straight edge and broken edge. Yeah. And um, the thing for me with like why I broke edge is because um, raw dogging life sucks a little bit. Yeah. It, it's fun. That's what I'm saying. It's fun as one piece of it for but i don't want it to be the only piece I, ever again i would also make the case that taking an ssri is not i don't want to say not straight edge because i'm not trying to gatekeep but like it does change the perspective of reality it can you um, don't think it does a little bit like because i'm telling you when i was on 250 milligram of venlafaxine i was like viewing the world completely differently it was like psychedelic no, because I've been on high-dose Lexapro, and it does calm me down, but it just gives me some brain fog. But honestly, for me, it, it took just away a lot of my anxiety. Fair enough. I hope I'm not delegitimizing no, you're good. Uh, mental health medication. Because like, this is my caveat always when I talk about mental health medication. If you found the thing that works for you, and you believe it works for you, it does. Do it. Like, do it. You don't need my yeah. permission. I just, I well, have only had bad experiences. I'm, I'm jealous of the people who can get through life without some kind of chemical help. I really am. Cause if, if I could go through life without, and if I could feel good, I mean like not null or get rid of when you're <laughs> supposed to feel sad or, you know, if something dangerous is happening, it's you're like supposed that to be anxious feeling though. Yeah, no, it's like you're sitting here, nothing's wrong, your whole environment is safe, but you're you feel anxious down. for no reason. That's terrible. That's one of the worst feelings of I all agree. time. But um, I wish I could be one of those guys who, like, doesn't even have to take a Tylenol and get through life feeling, you know, accomplished I mean, and successful and able to tackle their goals, uh, you I, know? Besides alcohol, besides alcohol, I really try to be uh, lenient on when that's actually not even a little bit true because <laughs> I'll consume recreational drugs. Um, what I mean to get at with what I'm trying to say about myself is like day to day. Like if I have a headache, I really try to muscle through it. I, I do unless it's debilitating. Yes, I'm if, the same If way. it puts me down, I'm like, I will give I, in and I'll take an ibuprofen. I've worked around folks that take like four Bayer aspirins a day. Yeah. That well, it, shit freaks me well, out, Well, dude. it's a slippery slope and it destroys your body. Yeah. Like ibuprofen destroys your Liver. stomachs. Well, it destroys... No, uh, kidneys. Ibuprofen's kidneys. Right. Is it Tylenol? That Tylenol's liver. liver. Um, Isn't that so gross? Yeah. Which is why you want it to be 
like, okay, I'm in almost unbearable pain. I'll finally take this. That's, I think, what it's supposed to be for. But if you're taking, IB, like, four ibuprofen or more a day, or even two or one, you're destroying the microbiome in your stomach. Yeah. It kills. That's so insane. It, like, hurt, it destroys your stomach lining. That's why you're supposed to eat something with it so it digests quicker. Right, 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 right. Um, And then it also, but it, it attacks your stomach lining and it hurts all of the gut the microbiome which we're like every month and every year we're discovering it's more and more and more important <laughs> so yeah. i dude that's a hard one like it's i suppose what i was trying to get at is like huh. for me it's like the drugs that i choose to consume especially recreationally alcohol is mm-hmm. probably my daily driver marijuana is up there um mm-hmm. psychedelics are up there as well the point that i'm trying to make is like um when I'm in a sober state and I'm trying to just like get work done or like yeah. my productivity, I really try to raw dog that. Like I'm not a guy that like sits down at the keys, like about to write something and drink every time. Yeah. I try to actually avoid that. Cause I think it can turn into lazy. I can't, uh, I don't, I don't drink when I practice drums, even when I've been in bands where people do do that. Um, I don't drink before a show because I want to be so present that I don't fuck up and that I put on an amazing show. Yeah, I kind of like my... This is actually how I used to feel about golfing. Because I'm an avid disc golfer now. I kind of got this rule. I have the most fun disc golfing if I wait to drink until I'm done disc golfing. Yeah. So when I'm done disc golfing, then then I knock them back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, like, I can have a killer... Dude, I went out the other day. Oh... There's this sick course in Salt Lake City. It's in it's in Murray. It's just like right oh. here. It's like maybe like three miles east of here. Like it's out in the sticks, like heading into the mountains. Okay. It's a Fredrickson Park. Okay. Like, um, a lot so of people like will take Creek. their dogs. Yeah, a lot of people take their dogs there. There's a charter school like right next to it. Oh, I might have. I think I've been there. It's a great course. It's a fun course. Like it's pretty long. It's got a lot of fun holes. Anyway, I'm playing by myself, dude, in this group. They're letting me pass through because there's, like, five of them. I'm, like, on, like, hole 12. It's, like, a 415-foot hole. It's a healthy hole. Yeah. And I get up to the box, and I'm, like, having a hot round. I'm, like, I think I can park this at the basket. I was just was feeling it. And this guy comes up to me in the group. I got my headphones on. I'm just, like, jamming. I was listening to, like, uh, shit, I don't even remember. I was listening to uh, that J.I.D. song, the Free Nationals, called On Site. Such a good song. Anyway, this guy comes up to me, he like taps me on the shoulder. He goes, hey, by the way, just so you know, uh, you're not supposed to play here if you're wearing yellow shoes. I was wearing yellow shoes. He's like being catty, like just oh, trying to like right, joke right. with me. And I literally just like looked at him. I was like, hey, my eyes are up here. And everyone <laughs> in his group just fucking dogged him for that. And then I get up to the box and just walk it up and throw it. Fucking parked it under the basket. Nice. And it felt so good because I literally just put on these headphones, noise canceling headphones. I was like, I don't even want to hear you telling me that that was a good shot. Fuck you. And I just like walked away from it and it was so sick to just walk away. I felt like a fucking bad, bad motherfucker. And uh, anyway, I don't remember where I'm going out with that story. No, I know exactly where. It was, um, I didn't, I wasn't drinking when I was playing because there's there like an $800 fine in Salt Lake if you get caught drinking at a public park. 
That's that, the most solid that doesn't, shit. That doesn't That's surprise the most me. Shit, I'm dude. almost surprised it's not like a thousand. Like, <laughs> fuck, dude. That that it's mega sad lame. that like mega when lame. you said that, I had no. That's reaction. so lame, dude. Because like, I'm like the yeah, city deciding who can and can't drink at a public park. <sighs> it's like fuck off, dude. We all pay for this shit. Yeah. Like, anyway, uh, the re- the only reason I bring that up is just because. Um, when I got done, I think I had to work that day. No, it was one of my days off. I ended up drinking that night. Yeah. Um, uh, but like being sober in the moment, even when I'm having a shitty round, I love it. You know, it's like one of those things. And, and so, yeah. and, but I've also disc golfed drunk and it's fun, but then I like, it's I'm, not, I, I lose my interest in it while yeah. I'm playing too. I'm like, ah, let's stop. Well, I hate, I even hate playing video games, drinking like at least anything competitive. Like, if hmm. I'm playing, like, Halo online or something, I'm, like, it just pisses me off because I know I've been drinking and I'm getting destroyed because I've been drinking. I So I used <laughs> to play competitive Overwatch, and I would have that same problem. Yeah. I'd have that same problem. Because uh. you're like, oh, this isn't even fun. It makes it less fun to yeah, me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um. Because, like, I, if I want them to beat me, I want them to beat me because, like, I suck, not because I've inhibited myself um but we both i don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast but we both and this is another because like we have weird parallels yeah um we both independently decided to uh quit drinking for a few months i I almost the same time i made it 97 days yeah almost the same time to like it was like within a week or two we both stopped. It was like yeah. back in November or something. Yeah. No, no it, was it was in October. That. It was in October. Yeah. I stopped drinking on October sixth. So I I was because I had COVID, and I was like, you know, this is a perfect time to just stop drinking for a while. Sure. Uh, <laughs> it was like mid September, so it was like maybe two weeks before you at the most, and I went until. Uh, just a little, just a, a little into January, so around the ninety days, about yeah, maybe maybe a little bit other. more. Um, but it gave it gave both of us because we both also another weird parallel moved almost the same week. Yeah, um, you moved a week before me. I moved yeah. from Idaho. I'd been living in Vegas before that. Yeah, and I had to get out of Idaho. Had to get out. Yeah, of Idaho. you got to. And then uh, and I, I, Idahoans who need to leave know what we're talking about. But here's the thing, dude. Like, if <laughs> I if I found somebody that I could be a romantic partner with that wanted to have a family, yeah, and we wanted to go back to Idaho, I'd consider Idaho Falls. I'd prefer Boise. I'd consider both of those spots. But my hometown of ten thousand people, I can't stay there. I can't. It's just not diverse enough, and it's I can't be queer there. Like I yeah. can't be myself there. Yeah. It makes me a little uncomfortable. Yeah, with without being at least the scrutiny, yeah. just a little bit. You know, um, you'd be discriminated. What made me quit sure. drinking? Um, I actually I went up to Boise oddly enough and hung out with like uh, one of my extremely close friends and his partner, who's also ended up becoming a really close friend of mine. Um, and we, we ended up playing disc golf, naturally. <laughs> That's when in Rome, I'm always finding reasons to play. Um, and that we got drunk disc golfing. And then I hadn't been drinking much. I'd been trying to take a break. But I was like, yes, this is my weekend off. I'm hanging out. You yeah. Know? 
And then we ended up at this brewery. It's uh, There's a spot in Boise called Woodland Empire. It's actually a pretty solid brewery. And him and I, when we get going together, like we can just like outdo each other on how much beers we're drinking. So we probably drank a dozen beers at, <laughs> at, at a brewery and we were already drunk when we got there. Okay. Ouch. And we left the brewery at that one o'clock. So, oh, okay. Okay. Well, here's the thing. So we left the brewery at like <laughs> one o'clock and we stopped by an Albertsons to get more beer. And then we drank until like five o'clock in the morning, watching all gas, no breaks. I can't, I can't drink that much beer. We, I cannot. Uh, we were drinking out of a 24 pack of PBR and we went until five o'clock in the morning. I and this is like one of, of my liquor, like dear, not dear beer, especially though. when it comes to beer drinking friends, yeah. this guy and I can go dude. Yeah. Like, and we've been that way since college. Yeah. Anyway, the next day I was driving home and I started having like the craziest feeling. I was just like paranoid and I was like looking around and not seeing shit, but my vision felt like it was following itself like in a tunnel. Oh yeah. And I tracers. Was, I was like freaking yeah. out and that lasted for two weeks and it got so bad that one day I was like looking behind my shoulder and, uh, I thought I saw something. I kept thinking I was seeing things out of the corners of my eyes. And so I was having a neurotic episode. I almost went to the hospital for it. Yeah. And it, and it, the trigger of this whole thing was like this crazy episode of drinking that I had chosen for myself. Okay. Yeah. However, here's the thing. I personally choose to take it as what I would call a spiritual awakening. And I know that sounds corny, but like that opened so many doors for me. That state of fear and paranoia made me try out so many weird fucking things to figure out what works. That's when I officially mm. d dug into occultism because it had been about four months that I've been giving it a shot, feed in and out of the water. Yep. And been like, no, this isn't for me. Cause I remember I called you one time when I was tripping on acid and I was yeah, like, I and think I, was I rewired like, his brain. Yeah. A little um, bit. Cause I was on acid and I, cause was I had been studying these having things a for wild years. time and we just kept talking. Uh, we talked for probably like four hours. It was a couple hours. No, it was, um, oh man, I don't remember so how bad long. that was so bad, but it was great. So I, that, that's that actually, nice. that's the reason that we're here right now is because yeah. of those conversations. Cause that happened again after that. I feel like, did I trip again and call you? <laughs> I think you did. I think you did. Uh, I love it. If there's one thing I love doing on acid is talking <laughs> and like listening to people tell me shit, like looking at shit's cool, but like the, yeah. the, well, cause it gives you that in the air stuff. It like, just really lubes up your brain to think about everything from oh, a new perspective and think about how other people are thinking about it. Well, cause, and I remember Fuck. it might've been when you were on acid, but how you were, you were talking about how, you, we were talking about how like Mormons are somehow like doctors a lot of the time and how like they pray and you might've been this more is actually atheistic. one of the more, this is one of the most formative moments of my spiritual experience that you're bringing up here. That's so funny. <laughs> Keep going though. Cause but, uh, you, you literally blew my mind with this, so, what you're about to say. And this, uh, this might've been the moment I converted him to chaos magic. Pretty much but, actually. Uh, Cause this fucking broke my brain open. So he was coming. I think I don't remember. It's been a while. You might've been coming at it from like an atheistic. Point I was of view, coming at it from or, an atheistic or, perspective. or cynical. I said, um, if I had to pick between a doctor that didn't believe in God and a doctor that was Mormon, I would pick the doctor that didn't believe in God. And, and this you, is what I said. Yes. I was like, well, I mean, that could be fair, but what if he prays and he prays that he does a good job on this operation? And regardless if God exists or not, if he believes God is answering his prayers and God is guiding his hands, he is. He's going 
to probably perform the surgery better than the atheist. That's and that even that actually placebo. offended me when I first heard it. Cause I was like, that breaks my worldview. Therefore I can't even perceive it. <laughs> well, but you, I remember the, you, you were like, huh? You're like, okay, that, okay. That you literally like, cracked up in my brain. <laughs> I started thinking about things so differently from there. <laughs> um, and, and part of that, like it made me kind of recalibrate my ideas on belief. Yeah. And that's like the thing in like occultism when they say like, you're worshiping the devil. It's like close. I'm worshiping myself. Yeah. The devil's a vehicle. I've talked, <laughs> I mean, I've talked to God. I've talked to the devil. I've talked to Lucifer. Yeah. They're all useful in their own capacities. Yes. Even just as ideas or as like psychology. Yeah, like say that they're not real. Like yeah. let's agree that they're not real. So if they aren't real and I'm just talking Carl to myself, Jung pretty much proved that the brain works on archetypes and the brain works on a belief in some kind of higher power. So even if it's not real, even if that's all bullshit and we're just pieces of matter walking around and we're going to die and then we'll never exist ever again, we will be more operatively better in our own lives with a belief in some kind of higher power. Yes. And, and the- we're programmed on a, like a biological, psychological level to operate better with a belief system. And that's not a coincidence because it's like if, if we even entertain the idea that we're part of a singularity. Okay. I like to think that we are in 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 one perspective. Yeah. I don't think that's exclusively it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a piece well, of it. Well, it implies that it's not exclusively it. Yes. If it exists. I, that's like, yeah. <laughs> Cause so for me, it's like, if we believe in a singularity or if we are even the all that there the is, one, the other one is the all like, then, then we come with a codex that tells us that there's a God because yeah. we are God. Yeah. That's what it's saying. Like, yeah. and that's why you have this inherent desire to wonder about it, especially if you're skeptic, if you're okay. And now if you want to push it into like the Hindu thought process of this, and I'm kind of like speaking out of like my scope, but this is like what I've learned from Ram Dass is like, if you're one of those people that like questions whether or not God is real, you are either at the beginning of your karmic cycle or at the very end of your karmic cycle. And you're doing the last dance or the first dance. And that's sick. I'm hoping we're doing closer to the end. Really? Well, I don't know. I'm up for more of this. I'm up for more of this as long as I have the ability to explore it in the way that I want. I, that's where I'm at. I, I try to think about it. If I'm like saying that I want more of this from the perspective of like, I want another chance because if I want another chance to start right now, new incarnation, boom, I called yeah. it. Boom. Here we are. New incarnation. Yeah. This is well, my, this is my next incarnation. One here, could say, begin. one can say movement is itself is your consciousness moving through billions of realities per second to create the illusion of movement. That's exactly what it, I think it is at um, least a part of it. That's the idea of the multiverse. I like to think of it that way. Yeah, it's like everything it puts that, the, could Power happen in your hand. is yeah everything yeah. that could happen is this is where you are with it you can change it to what you want it to be based off of your actions and your actions start with your thoughts this comes back to this idea that ramdas says that your thoughts are your karma so like when you think of karma karma yeah. is what you're thinking Mm, so if you want to change, if you want to change your world, change the way you're thinking. Oh yeah. Start it with something simple, oh, yeah. dude. Um, and that's like where affirmate. Okay. So now this is where affirmations are super important. Cause like I have like uh, where I started to find myself attractive. And let me tell you, like sexually, this changed my life. Um, not to be like overbearing, but like when I oh, started to, me, I would like literally like look in the mirror <laughs> at myself and be like, I am handsome and people find me attractive. Yeah. And I convinced myself of it. Do and it. since then it has been wild. Everyone, everyone listening, whether you're 
self-esteem is through the roof or through the floor, pick a time to go in front of the mirror by yourself when you won't be disturbed and do as best as you can to convince yourself that you're sexy. One of my favorite things that you've ever sent me was when we were like talking about doing the silhouettes and I couldn't like get the oh, illustrator right. working and you were like, this is the picture that I want sent to me. And you sent me that picture. Your confidence in that picture was so sick. Like oh, I literally, you. I saved that picture because I've got this like really weird idea. It's actually a fucking awesome idea. If anybody's into like plantomancy or like, uh, if you're really attuned to nature, this is like a fun thing you can do is get pictures of people that you care about, print them out and then buy plants and do a consecration of that plant with that person and put the picture next to that person. And then when you take care of that plant, you're taking care of that person. Oh, that's great. Yeah. You like cultivate a little garden. That's, and, so, uh, and, and now here's the synthetic magic. It is. And here's where it gets trippy is like if the, if the plant isn't doing well, that's when you know to check in on your friend. Ooh. Or if the if the plant is thriving, you're like I haven't looked queen. Into what's that going yet. on? You know, this is like very a uh, pagan tradition. But like, oh man. Anyway, I'm in the process of starting this in my room, and that's like the picture that I'm using because I like I've, I, I'm gonna oh, have like God. a dozen of them. And you want to know what's weird is I'm also doing some fucking um, seance with it as well. I'm I'm gonna do pictures of like my my late grandmother, my father as well in this garden. I want to. Um, Isn't I need I so I want to start though. I, I need to get pictures of my <laughs> my dead loved ones because I want to oh, start uh, an ancestor altar really soon. Once they're gone, yeah. I mean, on my altar, I've got like my. You've seen my altar. Yeah. It's silly. It's, it's very me. I love like, it. There, Ren yeah. Stimpy are on there. I've got stuffed dolls of Ren Stimpy because my baby brother and I, um, you know, we don't have a lot in common. But when we hang out and it's just the two of us, we always end up having a good time because we just do silly shit together. And we were at a Dave and Buster's one time. <laughs> And we were just doing the silliest shit. And my little brother, um, he's always one of those guys. He's one of those guys that pulls a rabbit out of a hat randomly. He's so shy and quiet. He, more reserved, not shy. Yeah. And he hits home runs. Yeah. When, when, when you least expect it. And we're at Dave and Buster's. Well, because they've been thinking for so long. Yes. We're at Dave and Buster's and he plays this machine. And he wins like the mega ticket thing. And naturally... I'm like, fuck yeah, because I mean, I've been drinking, I'm being silly. He's super embarrassed because we hit the big ticket thing. And yeah, he now the attention. Yeah. yeah, and so, and then, <laughs> and then we're like, and then I was like, That's what do you want to buy with these tickets? And he's like, nothing. Like, he was like wanting to leave, but like, he was happy to be there with me. Yeah. I could love. And I was like, let's get something silly. And we're like looking but, around. Like the dumbest thing. Yeah. And I saw, like, well, <laughs> and then I saw Ren and Stimpy. And I remember when we were kids, my mom would not let us watch Ren and Stimpy. And, and I now understand why, because it's actually pretty fucking wild. But I was yeah. like, let's get that. And he was like, yeah, he don't care about that. That's not his style. But anyway, I've held on to those all these, all these years since. And so that's on my altar. I've yeah. got like a little piece well, on my altar so of every, it's every person powerful. who like has ever mattered to me on my altar is on my altar rather. Pardon me. And, uh, yeah, when I like light a candle on my altar or anything like that, and I just like try to like call upon like my ancestors to like check in on everyone and send love and kindness and yeah. guiding light. Oh dude. Oh, it comes back to me tenfold. Tenfold, well, um, dude. And they've, cause uh, with Lynn McTaggart in both the intention experiment and the power of eight, they find that, so like in the power of eight, just the real quick premise is they get groups of eight people. The number's arbitrary. It doesn't really matter. They just picked it for a nice round number. Um, so they, um, 
so and she conducts these groups all the time so she gets tons of people in groups of eight and what they do is they pick someone in the group who has some kind of ailment and you know something wrong with them or something wrong in their life and for i think the timers for 10 minutes they send the intention you know like um it is my intention that this person is free from cancer and happy and healthy in every way and while they say it in their head they also think about it they listen to music you know that sort of calms the mind and generates those brain waves that are conducive to stuff like that manifesting healing and all all that stuff and the miracle that they find um is that the a lot of the times if not almost every time the people who send the healing intentions also see healing in their own life you know like their own back pain disappears or like uh whatever like their limp gets better stuff like that so like there's a high efficacy for like praying for those you love or you know asking the ancestors asking those who have died to intervene and because when you pray for someone else sincerely and you truly want their own happiness and their own healing it's it's essentially essentially like empirically proven that like that stuff does come back to you and it heals your own life. One of the and I have the book sitting right there. One of the sweetest things I think you can yeah. do for someone, especially like, <clears throat> I'm not one to give dating advice or anything like that, but like when you're romancing someone and you're like in like the baby steps and like, for me, it's like when you go on like the coffee date together and you're like looking at them and you're like, you're so attractive and you have a lot of things to say that like grab my attention. Like this is like, I would love to continue to listen to you talk. I like I love yeah. that feeling. I'm kind of addicted to that feeling. Mm. But moreover, uh what I love to do is make a playlist for somebody. It's like one of like that is like one of my biggest pieces of love language is if mm. somebody's like, "Hey, can you make me a playlist?" cuz I will make you the best playlist you've ever heard in your life. And you can take that to the bank and cash it in. I make mean playlists. And, uh, they do make good and, playlists. And so, like, we I, should do a fake magic playlist. Oh, I'm on so done. Spotify. I'm actually, uh, um, just to bring up an old topic, I'm super close to being done with the audio tarot. Oh, sick. Yeah, I'm like one house I'm away. I'm so excited. I'm one house away. Um, by the way, Matt, like, released a bunch of stuff on Bandcamp. It's like at not x matty with two t's. Yeah, bandcamp.com. It's really good. Thank I know. Thank you. Thank you, actually. They're super. That apprehensive about it and right it was like deliberately designed to be what it is i i wanted it to be like the most authentic version the of songs like, are incredible thank you i like i, I genuinely lot. appreciate that the, um, for me i was like it was very like my approach was like wwbdd what would bob dylan do yeah because like i wanted everything musically was set to the prose of what i wrote lyrically I think that's the best way I, to song. Yeah. Write. So like the, yeah. the, the song that's like the that, title. That's track. why I like bands with singers and guitarists because they write the <clears throat> music around the song a little yes. bit easier where I feel like bands with singers write 
hooks to music. You it's know what I mean? It's aesthetic driven art. Which is still good. So this comes still back to good, this. Well, we'll come back to that. Um, I like just, a, just, a guitarist singer is just really has a special place in my heart. One thing on the um, on the EP thing that I did, um, like each song was like a different place in my life. Like the title track on it, it's like I, I just numbered them. Th- one, two, and three. Three is the first one that you hear when you pull it up. And that song was like about this this gal that I was dating, like a living girlfriend, and uh, I was just going through these like experiences of mania. Like we just like we didn't do anything wrong. It was just the timing was like really just, peculiar. And yeah. then like when we knew it was done, it was time for it to be done. That's like where yeah. the lyrics come from. Is like we both knew it was time for it to be done, but then but then that changed my life too. As soon as her and I split up, that's how a, I ended up in Las Vegas. It's a lot of bittersweet. And, and it, well, and I like still have like. I still care about her so much, you know? Um, yeah. But then the the first song on the album, or on the EP, rather, is uh, I wrote it the day after my fucking heroic acid trip. I oh, was like, I didn't know I, that. Yeah, I just wanted to write a campfire song about forgiveness. And, and yeah. the song's all centered around, like, I spent all this time looking for things that I already had. Yeah. I would, I, I was like, why don't I have love? And then I like had all these friends that were actively like taking care of me and like loving me and showcasing to me. And, and, and so that was like that. Now the second song on there is like really special to me because I have a childhood friend that I'm really close with who, um, dead named themselves and disappeared because, uh, I don't know this for sure. And I don't want to like, so I'm going to keep this as vague as I can, but my suspicion from what I understand is that they are trans and they're living a new lifestyle where they don't want to interact with anybody from the past because they have yeah. so much trauma there. Um, and I can understand that. Yeah, I can too. And so, so the song, that, the idea behind the song, like it's one of the lyrics is in there. Um, tell me, do they call you by your name? Well, I sure don't. It's not the same. Mm. And uh, oh, that makes me emotional. Just thinking about it. Cause I have so much love for whoever this person is, wherever they are. Yeah. They were like so important in my childhood. They were just cool. And 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 so this comes to this identity identity idea, right? Like like pronouns in bio. Like do I want to tease that? Like when I I'm a guy with pronoun or uh, yeah, respectfully. I'm a guy with pronouns in their bio. I like use they them pronouns, right? I make fun of it all the time because I yeah. like it's different and it's a little uncomfortable. Yeah. But at the same time, and it like, is silly, but it, it's it, also important. It is important because it's like, this is how I want to occupy this space. Yeah. Like, and if you could just mm. offer me enough respect to just like understand that this is where I'm, what I'm trying to be. This is why I think this goes back to the singularity and why I think people are starting to go by they, them, or, you know, going by the gender that they feel rather versus what they were born with um, is because at the root of it, people are just people, they're persons yes. um, and they don't, I, I think we've played as a collective un, unconscious conscious. We've played the game of masculine and feminine. And I think whatever, like our oversoul or like whatever our, whatever piece of us that lives forever wanted to play that game for a long time. But I think that game's ending Yeah, and we want to try a new game. Uh, well, and I think the game is authenticity. Yeah. Even if it's bullshit, like yeah. let's say here's the thing. I, I will be candid with this. I don't want to speak on anyone else's behalf. I'm not coming with the banner of non-binary folk, but as somebody who identifies as non-binary, I have had the thought before of like, what am I, what if I'm like 40 or 50 and I suddenly recognize that I'm no longer non-binary. Yeah. Who gives a shit? Yeah. In this moment well, right here, I am. 
and, and that's this, here in this moment, this person right here uses they them pronouns and I androgynous and non-binary. This is who I am right here. Yeah. And I think it's that fluid that it could literally change. Yeah. I've said before, I've said before that I would be a trans person. My, the and I don't want to say it like you choose it actively for me, where I come from with this is like, um, I would like to be able to like switch genders on a whim. And I That's think it's like possible. Where I want to be. Um, and when the science catches up to it in regards to the fluidity of it, yeah. like biologically, if I could switch my genitalia, not to be too graphic, but to be honest, I would do it. If I, it was I would do it out of simple. curiosity. Oh, me too. Like, like if I could sexual experience, if I could turn, oh, please. if I could like swap it out like Legos. That's literally, <laughs> that's literally what I'm talking about. I would totally do that's, that just, just to see. Cause it's like, aren't you curious? But, like, but, wouldn't you want to like, I also don't want to <laughs> delegitimize my trans Definitely. brothers and sisters because Definitely. first of all, yeah. um, trans, no pe disrespect. Trans um, people are like comes off genuinely way. some of the most special people I've ever been around. Yeah. Um, and part of it is because they are genuinely fucking trying. Yeah. And that, that is what frightens well, people that don't understand it. And I don't want to speak. And I apologize to any of our trans friends that are listening to this. Like, I don't want to speak on your behalf. What I'm trying to say is like all the trans people I've met in my life are good people inherently trying i'm not saying trans people are perfect and there are shitty trans people sure in my life all the trans people that i know are awesome yeah like seriously well and you know <sighs> it, it's painful to you know when someone's trying to live authentically but it causes them pain because of like so much societal stigma implication um and you know people who are so entrenched in like the dogma of their religions or like what society has taught them to be normal and they're gonna consciously or unconsciously treat trans people with a bias because they've been trained that that's not normal their entire life like these people they're not faking it like no no one would choose to go through that amount of pain unless it was their authentic self yeah you know because if it was truly a choice, they're not going to choose to be ridiculed and ostracized by society. Fuck no. And trans people have like the highest rate of suicide. Yeah. It's, it's criminal. It's so it's sad. Like, because society chews them up it's, and spits them yeah. out. And it's like, well, and, and part of it too is like, I mean, the social implications of being trans. I mean, this is for me, it's the blind leading the blind. Cause I'm not a trans person. Um, I'm a person who's sure. like a gender. Yeah. Like, I, I hope curiosity. it doesn't come across as us trying to represent, you know, what we haven't experienced. I'm just like, I have a soft spot as yeah. a, as a friend, honest, honestly, comes from a place a of friend. love. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if I'm wrong, here's the other thing is if I'm wrong, like, yeah, nothing would make tear me, us to shreds. Yeah. Let us know how we're wrong. And you I'm know serious. What's awesome though about trans people though, is they wouldn't fucking do that. They would just no. be fucking like, Hey, by the way, yeah. Dot, dot, dot. So, and that's the and thing. And I'm still like, like, I have, Oh, even with the pronoun stuff, I try, but it's so ingrained into me. I used to have I, this habit. I slip up and I try to just correct myself. I try to not make a big deal out of it. I'll just try to, in line correct myself after i uh like made the announcement i want people to be comfortable and to feel yeah. themselves after i made the pronoun announcement change i got like hate mail did you uh, yeah. i didn't know that i don't think you yeah. told me that well it wasn't like it wasn't um, <laughs> i they might be listening to this podcast and i don't want them to come across i don't want it to come across that way because they're still close friends of mine sure arguably closest friends of mine but they literally said nice pronouns in bio 
da 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 and i it like hurt my feelings because i was like i'm genuinely trying over here and i hey, literally thanks. i just like literally played along because yeah. i want those people in my life still yeah even if i have to hold them from like an arm's distance that's not what i'm implying either i'm just saying like sometimes things yeah. are hard and complicated especially when we don't agree which sure. is hard like i get it well we're living in different planes of reality and uh as far as like shadow aspects go i think that exposes their own probably discomfort i saw on twitter this and i think a lot of people when they do stuff like that they they probably don't really mean to be mean but like it because it challenges their belief system well, did you and, hear that whole thing about how alex jones like brought up his um fucking internet or he brought up his chrome browser on live on Infowars, and like one of the there there's like four tabs of yeah. trans porn yeah and i remember he was that. like i was doing research and like that was his whole thing. No. And like, it, well, and he was this jacking is like, it. yeah, this is that's the gross thing is like hyper masculine heteronormative men that co opt trends for power mm. in their minds. I'm not trying to make decisions for them, but like, there, there's a culture. I haven't it. thought about it. Well, like, like that. look at the traps culture on Reddit. It's well, and hyper misogynistic. And 4chan. It's so gross, dude. How misogynistic it is. It's sad. Well, because what they're really doing is repressing their own feminine. That's exactly what they're doing. And, and vicariously they are subverting it into someone else, yeah. which is dangerous because that's what they call the anima and animus. I've actually yeah. thought about this a lot in like unions analytics is like, um, it's always the, so like if I can add, there's this thing going on in Vegas right now and I'm very comfortable sharing this. Yeah. May I get one? Yeah. I'll grab Thank one. you. Uh, there's this thing going on in Vegas right now and it's not exclusively to Vegas, but it's something that I've experienced there. Uh, where like if they have an abuser in the scene, everyone on the social media platforms makes it known that that's an abuser. Okay. Which is yes. And there's no caveat to that. What happens after that though, is you get people all of a sudden that are like, if I hear about an abuser here, I'm going to cave their fucking skull in and kill them. And, and that's noble. But it's always the ones that are like talking the loudest that I'm like, what are you doing? Like when they're saying that kind of shit, I'm like, hmm, you know, and, and, and it's especially bad in Vegas. It's like kind of a one-upping yeah. scene on who, like who's is, the most, who's the most woke on being like, yo, you can't do that here. And when you're saying it that loud, you're finding a oh, way sorry, to make it about you. Here, oh, take this one. Thank you. You're finding a way to make it about you and that vicariously subverts it. Now, if you want to meta analyze this, I'm literally making this about me by making it about them, by making it about the people that they're actually abused. So I understand that this is more of a social critique, but, uh, it was especially bad there. And I just couldn't, I, I remember I, I, a former partner and I were talking about this and I was just like, I, I'm so uncomfortable. Like I will never come out in the open and be like, I'll kill your local rapist. Like, although I totally like feel that sentiment when you bark that into the void, you're inviting that kind of energy towards you. It's like, I don't even want to entertain the thought of that. That's, that's how you sublimate that onto yourself. And so yeah. that was like the thing that always made me nervous. Cause there's a, there's a person in the, the Vegas scene who hasn't been exposed yet. I'm not trying to stir anything up, sure. but they're, they're known and they, right. and they could very well be listening to this. And if you are, fuck you. But like <laughs> with all due respect, um, I'll do respect. And, and yeah. And, uh, um, they're like basically kept on the rocks just because they are a connect to so many other people. 
Right. And it's fucking gross. And there's a few people in Salt Lake like that. It's so it's, gross how it's that not, operates, dude. It is. Well, that's how power works. You know, it's it's all about networking and well, like the Harvey Weinstein yeah. thing. It was like a meme almost of like showing how power corruption. Yeah. Like there's a famous, there's it's a hardcore so band called foundation. One of my favorites of all time. They've got a lyric that oh, says yeah. failure breeds failure. And it's like, as long as we have these institutional hierarchies, they're going to continue to yeah. implode against each other because, because the idea of dysfunctionality is what keeps the system going. Like part of what it makes, is. so like, that's the thing with like capitalism, like this capital organization that we live in, it's going to continue to work so long as we let it fail. Yeah. Like, like, because we can the always capital, rescue it with yes, printing more money and the passing stimulus. Love when this fails because yeah. they can literally because then they get it. a chick. They or, white a, check, a, yeah. Chick. Yeah. a check, a check, a check. They get a check yeah. like in twenty two thousand eight, and they actually get richer off the failure. Yeah, yeah. And the they they actually the poor get poorer. Uh, so this is why like depolarization, like we talked about on last episode, is so important because. When I research, because I want to try to stay informed and I want to try to stay woke and identify with, I guess, politics that would cause the least amount of suffering or end suffering. So I try to be informed, but I also do like a lot of research on conspiracy theories and, you know, actual ones with substantiated uh, evidence. (laughs) Um, not QAnon. Um, and the second it, it, it makes me upset, I stop looking at it. Yes. Because if I get upset, I start churning the engine of like manifestation of bringing more of it into. I hear that. So like, it's hard. It's and that's why I have to take you know several week breaks from politics. Yeah. Because the second the second I get upset about it i am contributing to that energy um and it's it's not that you shouldn't be upset it's it's that's a hard one that's it's a hard one to explain it it's a real thin line to walk on um here's the thing because it's like you you want to care about it, but not get so upset that it brings your mood down and it affects your blood pressure and your heart rate that's that's where it gets dangerous. My political history, 2012, I voted for Barack Obama. I'll just be black and white about this right now because I feel honest and like want to yeah. share. 2012, I voted for Barack Obama because I was genuinely convinced that he would do something different. I, I was genuinely convinced. Sure. Okay, and then we had four years of it leading up to 2016. He didn't do shit, but I still believed in him. I still believed in him. I, I thought that the system was what made him bad. Okay, and I think that that's a lazy, lazy way to describe how shitty he was, because th- that was what Bernie Sanders was in 2016. Basically, yeah. what he showcased was like, there's a path to making this shit better. Let's push towards that. Um, it wasn't Barack Obama's fault. Like, we just need a people's movement. And that inspired the shit out of me. I was like, yes. Yeah. Then Hillary Clinton was the nominee. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Not the fucking wet fucking pee blanket. <laughs> and, and and I voted for her because I wanted this institution to thrive. Okay. Huh. Then we got Donald. I was like, I'm going to vote my heart and I'm going to vote Gary Johnson. <laughs> Which is fine. Dude, honestly, that's fine. I genuinely like. I don't regret. I just don't. I, I don't regret. I, How my, I know the political system works now. It 
Gary Johnson's a third party, I think, is impossible. Okay, with that's that a, with the power structure in place right it's now. It's funny. That's not what annoys me about Gary Johnson. What annoyed me about Gary Johnson was he wanted to like destroy the imp- Department of the Interior, and then they were like, "So where does that power reallocate to?" And he's like, uh, "It just doesn't exist anymore." And they're like, "So there's a vacuum on the Department hilarious. of the Interior." And Gary, there's like interviews of Gary Johnson trying to explain the idea of solvency, like like just just killing all of these hierarchical orders. And it's like, yeah. but then having some of them, it's like you either you either have your cake, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You what gotta I, pick one. What I understand now Which is, is a diet anarchist, like lazy anarchy. Is libertarianism lazy anarchy? Um, well, and I think even anarchy. Uh, yes. Uh, does it? <laughs> no. It, it, it can't work without the metaphysics behind it. Okay, I agree with that. Um, uh, anarchy also doesn't work unless there's an institution to criticize. Yeah, that's a con- th- like, and that's an easy way to piss off like good right. anarchists sure, for the theory sure. is like, okay, so what do you do with well, the vacuum? I, I, I just think they go, well, well, you create another institution. Well, where does the anarchy go? If you have a vacuum, that's what I'm saying. There's answers to it with praxis. It's like bullshit. I don't think I don't think anarchy or libertarianism or even socialism, like good ideal socialism, it it can't happen unless the majority of individuals are practicing magicians on their own spiritual system. You know, I I don't. You know, Rasputin was literally trying to do this with the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia. Do you know the story behind this? A little Rasputin bit. was like a total occultist. Oh, I know. He was he basically was going like he was going like, "Hey, hey, hey!" The only way that this institution works is if we get them all to believe in themselves. And they were like, "No, we still want the hierarchy of the czar." I'm doing yeah. a crude explanation sure. of how this happens. If you want a good explanation, honestly, one of the best like social critiques of like what happens with Rasputin and the the czars and like the political solvency of Russia in the Bolshevik era is uh, "Crime and Punishment" by Dostoevsky. Like that book is nuts. And if you mm. it, like, if you're trying to read something like everybody's like, Oh, this is like 1984 right now, or this is like brave new world. Skip both those go right to crime and punishment because crime and punishment is such a fascinating read. And it's so applicable applicable because it's literally, yeah. I mean, crime and punishment. <clears throat> the idea is the protagonist is trying to go to school to become a doctor. His father's died. I think his mother has no money. His sister's marrying this other guy so that they can have money. And then he ends up killing somebody not to spoil anything to like try and inherit their money. I'm doing such a crude explanation of crime and punishment. I don't care. I kind of explained the first act, but then it's like basically the repercussions of doing this thing that you thought was justified to take care of your family. And it's so applicable to now. I just, I know that there's like a Dostoevsky fan out there. That's like, you've totally butchered that. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Like I don't, I don't remember the logistics very well. It's also hard to read. I'll respectfully say that. But the point that I'm trying to make is even if you read the synopsis and you like get to the point of it, what it's saying, it shows like all of the archetypes of society. Because there's like there's like this comedic relief of this drunken fool and his wife. She wants to be like upper echelon. Like the whole time she's trying to be middle class. But her idea of middle class is like the person who thinks that like going to Olive Garden two times a week or, or Olive Garden adjacent and driving an Audi makes her wealthy. When in reality, like as soon as her husband loses his job, they're they're, they're in the they're fucked. Yeah. They're in and, the and so they're not in the middle class. No. They think they're in the No, what they are it's, what it's they crazy are is, how this has already happened. That's middle management. <laughs> who thinks so that they're middle class? You're you're carrying out the orders of <laughs> so dude the people with the actual power. It's so but dark. um and I think Gordon White said it, but if you're not running on your own metaf- 
physics, you're running on someone else's. Yes. So, like, if you subscribe to a dogmatic religion, or even if you're an atheist, because I personally have just through personal experience, I know that the metaphysics is a reality and there's something extra physical. You're going to be influenced and controlled by the people utilizing that power. Yes. If you're not doing it yourself. Yeah. And, and you catch on to people. That's using another it. hard pill to swallow, but you catch on to people using it once you spend time around it too. Yeah. Like I mean, I've been around people who I know are legitimately using it and being manipulative and conniving. Yeah. Respectfully. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, and I've, have done that. Me I don't too. I don't like I've learned that it doesn't really play out the best, but people do that. There are there are esoteric communities in pretty much every city or every area of the United States. Some of them are maybe neutral, some of them may have more ill intent. You you never know if someone who sees all this occultism and they like who can I can control? Who can I manipulate? There are people doing that every day. Oh, what, dude, that's literally what there our society is um, built on. On Reddit, uh, there was this account that I was following out of interest, but it was this neo-Nazi who posted on occult, our occult, all the time. I forgot the username, and it's probably better that I don't say it. But they were part of a neo-Nazi pagan community in Idaho that actively participated and practiced with stuff like astral projection, yes. remote viewing, remote influencing. So, and the, these this is not a conspiracy. This is happening I right now. I met a guy. I met a guy at a uh, warehouse party the other night, you know. Respectfully social distance. I think we were responsible respectfully. We were all very drunk, but we were wearing masks and shit, right? I just want to make add that caveat. Anyway, him and I got talking social politics and critiques, and we got talking about Thomas Sankara. I don't know if you're a big Sankara fan, but he was Burkina Faso. He like created an ethno state in Africa, and, and oh, in two years, I don't know the much CIA about assassinated him. He oh, okay. literally created the best communal structure that's ever existed, oh. which is why the CIA assassinated yeah. him. Okay, so me and this guy are like gelling. We're getting along, kind of like flirty, but like just chatting because he's obviously like smart and shit. And he was like, "Yeah, I agree with." Uh, f- uh, Sankara, I think that we should have an ethno state. And I was like, wait a minute, what do you mean? And we like got going, dude. And he, he like, we were drunk, we're like dancing. And he goes, like, yeah, I, I, I identify as a national socialist. Yeah. And I was like, so not say that one more time. And he goes, yeah, like, I believe in socialism for the state exclusively based off of the credence. Like, he didn't say this, but that's what he was saying yeah. to me. And I was like, you're literally saying you're a Nazi, bro. Like, and he was like, yes. And it's like crazy how the term has been co-opted so that people can pepper it in like that. And that's where the dangers of socialism inherently lie. Right. Is you can use ethnics. Yeah. Uh, or, yeah. You can use At, ethnic to identity to rally. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's actually the case that I've made before that like the MAGA crowd is literally like trying to like when they say that they're Nazis. I'm like, I don't agree with that on the face value. What I do agree is that they would be fine with if they had socialism for white Americans. Yes. Oh, and white American is an identity. There are black people who belong in the white American idiom. Right. There are. Like, dude, my brother is half Samoan, half Tongan. Um, we were both adopted. He fits into the white community in my hometown. Like, I, he hangs out with neo-Nazis. I know that they're neo-Nazis. He knows that they're neo-Nazis. They're his friends. Respectfully, I'm not condemning him for that. And I don't want to go into more detail than that. Like, I, all, the only reason I would even make this case is because I've seen Celtic crosses and shit. Like, mm. I've seen fucking racist-ass tattoos. That they- 
but they co-opted that. They bring they bring that him into the fold. They bring him into the fold, you know. And the reason is because what as far as a cultural aesthetic goes, he adheres to the West. So it doesn't matter. So like this is yeah. what I'm getting at is like racism is like one of those things that's like so ambiguous now based off on whether or not you're going to adhere to Western yep. traditions. Well, and I think uh, I don't know. God, it's dark. Dude. There's a uh, like you could call it like the demiurge or the archon. There, there is some kind of malevolent force, non-physical that sort of commands this. And, you know, they take people who are vulnerable to this kind of people get, um, Oh, what's the word? People get like scared. They get insecure and when they're in that, they're in a place of weakness and they're in a place of, oh God, what's the word? They can be influenced and manipulated by people who will hand them an identity that they're looking for to quell their, um, to quell their fears and their their own insecurities about themselves. And I think that's what happened with uh, the MAGA crew is Donald Trump ap- appealed to people who seemed downtrodden or disenfranchised and he was able to control and manipulate them by appealing to their insecurities. And honestly, the country got fucked because of it uh as well as those individuals because now i mean he's out of office and they're like what about all these promises so they're once again like disenfranchised um i might have talked about it in the last podcast um that we did but i i know i mentioned uh the Undiscovered Self by Carl Jung. Oh, and he says the danger of getting rid of religion is because the brain is wired to look for these archetypes. They want to see like a god. They want to see a savior. So you get rid of the religion. So now people look at Stalin and they look at Lenin and they look at that's Trump. Not, that's not religion. They look at... Because he they take the spot where and the brain is is wired to look for a savior and to look for a God. Well, even look at like AOC. Uh, AOC is a God. Yeah. AOC. Yeah. Even though AOC to her is demographic like, yes. that she appeals to for sure. AOC for is sure. inherently corrupt. So does Bernie. Like respectfully speaking, AOC sure. is inherently corrupt. Like her whole thing about how she was attacked at the Capitol and she wasn't actually there. And we don't want to like talk about this. Like, we don't want to talk about this. Like, yeah. she literally, like, puffed the story up. And, like, the thing that drives me nuts about AOC is, like, those that, like, hallmark fucking photo shoot she did at the immigration center where mm. she's, like, an all-white, like, crying at the border, like, fucking alligator tears. Yeah. And it's like, dude, handcuff yourself to the pulpit in the fucking house room and say, I refuse to leave until we take care of these children at the border. Like, t- stop talking to me about bureaucratic process. Yeah. Be a fucking martyr. I don't want to speak on her behalf, but like, the, but she's like, plays the part. It's like, play the part, you know? And it's like, yeah. but the point that I'm getting at well, is like her and Trump are, are, are the, kind of the same idea. Sure. It's the, and in, 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 that's going to be in, hard for in, some people to yeah, hear. Yeah. <laughs> in, in, in political science, they call this populism. Right. And I think it's, it's like so near, but so far. 
is this idea of like, so in the idea of populism, Bernie's a populist too. Bernie and Donald Trump are the same person on different sides of the coin, right? Yeah. Donald says like, let's co-opt this for the wealthy. Bernie says, let's co-opt this for the poor. Right. But they're thinking the same thing. Well, they take in an archetypal role, just depending on who's looking at them and what their shadow entails, they're taking the same position of the God or the savior. Yes. Well, and, um, and Bernie subverted it. So like Bernie had occultism in his message when he said that, like, this isn't about me. It's about you. That's mm-hmm. an occult. That's an occult principle. You know, let, let leave it to an old Jew <laughs> to, to convince us to believe in ourselves. Right. You know, and, and granted respectfully, I've got like, I've got tendrils with Bernie. Like I have yeah. some unresolved beefs because I think he gave up on us and I think he's a sheepdog respectfully. And I hate saying that. I don't know enough about it to really comment it, it or pisses have me off that he it. rallied the troops around Joe Biden. I'm wondering if he had to though. Why? Why? Why couldn't this thing collapse? And this is me as an accelerationist. And if you don't like to hear an accelerationist, this, okay, fan, so this could be a then, cynical then pardon thing. Me. So this can be more c- c- cynical, but um, I think for the most part, um, ever since at least, and I mean, this could have been going on for maybe a millennia, millennias or more, but I think the Senate, the presidency and the house of representatives is mostly a dog and pony show to convince everyone that we have democracy. It is. Um, I think a, a lot, if not most of these senators are probably compromised with blackmail and money. Um, and m- money is the more like logical, less conspiratorial solution. Yeah. And I, I do lean towards the more conspiratorial because a lot of them belong to like fraternities that yes are actually network. People like want to blame skull and bones for being the new world order. Lazy. But, but mo- most Ivy League fraternities are networked together. Yes. And most of them have similar Common goals. goals. Yes. Or they... they they know they have to scratch each other's backs to well, get and there's more power. Like, there's literally arranged um, marriages within these communities yes. too. Like yeah. if you go to an Ivy League school and you're part of the Ivy League, like I've heard this from the outside, but I I've heard like you like your parents will set you aside and be like these are the two girls that are yeah. like that, and it's why, and, and they literally think, like use the phraseology of like to keep the bloodline pure. They and do shit. That's fucking crazy, um, dude. Um. It's been going on for hundreds of years. Well, um, all the um, all of the presidents in the history of the United States share a common ancestor, including Donald. Yeah, I just heard that last night, and I looked at it this morning. Yeah, and that and even Joe Biden. Well, that goes to like groomed, <laughs> and this is uh, this is super like way out there conspiracy. But there's like the theory of like the thirteen bloodlines, and I don't know how legitimate it is or not. I think a lot of them believe it. Um. And if they believe it, that's enough for them to do this kind of fucked up shit, even if it doesn't actually do anything. Um, Gordon White talked about it like monarchy is bloodline magic. So even if like there's nothing really special to the bloodline, there's like keeping an illusion of power within the family is a generational spell. That literally shows the United Kingdom. Yeah. Like I... Yeah, why? I got, I, I, <laughs> why is I there offended, a queen? Yeah, I offended this whole group of people one time because I said there's like this. I was in Vegas and there's like all these like Englishmen that were at this bar, novelty bar, and uh, they were talking to me about England. And I said, "Are you Englishmen?" They said, "Yes." And I said, "Does it offend you if I say that the queen can eat my entire asshole?" And they all got very upset. Yeah, and I said, "Why are you mad? 
Like who get like they were pissed. So dude. I've heard that the queen is sort of a symbol of like unity, unity. or yeah, it's whatever. A, again, it's a demagogue. And I mean, you know, maybe that's a positive benefit of it. But, is it though? Because but on it's the titles to their homes, you know, if you own a house in the United Kingdom, on the title it says that the queen is giving you permission to own this property. Oh my god! Isn't that fucking wild, dude? Here's the thing: like my thing, the difference between the United States and the United Kingdom is the United States, the corruption we pretend it doesn't happen, and we like to think that we have this rugged individualism that works. In England, they fucking put the balls of the queen in their mouth, and they go, "Yes, we do everything. God save the queen." It's like, dude, at least we fucking pretend. Like, you guys don't even fucking try. Lazy motherfuckers. Like, that shit drives me nuts. Like, I just have very low tolerance for, like, Englishmen, like, anyone from the United Kingdom that tries to, like, bash on our country. Because, like, we're on the same Western fucking model. Honestly, I'd rather more corrupt. live in the U.S. than the U.K. Why? They have nationalized medicine. Okay, that's, that is a benefit. That's, I, I do I would, give you that. I would go I for their nationalized medicine. I, dude, Canada's nationalized medicine sucks, and I would take it over what I have right now. Well, well, that's the other thing. Is Canada's I, nationalized medicine sucks because when they established it, they gave it to private companies. Well, I, that's it, it's right, basically sure. what Obamacare tried to do. Sure, it's um, so shitty. It's wrong, and it's not how it should. I happen. will say that at least they're trying, even if it's not perfect. It's I never, agree with that. It's never going to be perfect. That. Um, and that's even one thing that Bernie says is like we got to try. And I do agree with that. Yes. Even, even if there's like the no process. help. Scrutinize the process. Yeah. Like always be, don't be complacent. Like yeah. that's the thing that blew my mind is once Joe Biden became president, so many people were like, yes, finally. And it's like, no motherfucker. Like let's fucking push this raggedy ass old bitch to the fucking finish line. Let's get yeah. this shit done. And we, instead, we should not and instead, stop criticizing. And instead, not stop. instead you're getting a $1,400 stimulus check after gnashing of, and clawing yeah. when, when Joe Biden promised $2,000 stimulus checks. What a load of horse shit. Like when he went to Georgia and it was Ossoff doing that runoff race, he was like, if you don't vote for Ossoff, those $2,000 checks go out the window. Now they're seeing it's a $1,400 check because you already got $600. They're yeah. finding mental gymnastics to fuck you. Like they're just trying to come up with clever ways to fucking sustain the state and fuck the people. This is this is why you have to become a magician. You have to. Yeah, I agree. You have to. And, and, and here's the thing, like I would respectfully say that we are all magicians. It depends on how aware of it you are. Yes, I do agree um, with that. Because like things that we haven't talked about yet, like I, I, I'm saying this for uh -huh. one friend in particular who I know like takes this kind of shit and goes, that's fine. And I love that. I love that about him because I'm always wondering what he's thinking about this, you know, but we haven't even gotten into like the breathing exercises of occultism. Like when you start to explore and that's for another episode, but like when you start to explore the breathing exercises of occultism and how it fucks with your head. It's yeah. like DMT. It's well, like because when you well, fuck what with it your is, breathing, dude. This is why because br breath and breathing it's the it's the is, life force. Well, not just that, but it's both a conscious and unconscious thing. When you don't think about it, you do it automatically. When you think about it, you do it you do it consciously. So what it does is it that's a gateway into being able to take control of yeah. your subconscious and your unconscious. That's sort of like the symbolism behind controlled breathing. I love. Yeah. Um, oh, we're, we're going to do an episode, a whole episode on that. Uh, I'd actually like. To I probably wouldn't be alive here. if I didn't do breathing and meditation exercises. That's another episode. No, breathing exercises are literally um, the most important part of my meditation. 
That's for yeah. another episode. That's but, okay. Yeah. The other thing about occultism is the basics are the most important. Yeah, I the mean, rudimentary I mean, if you look at anything, the the music's the same identity. Yeah, is the fundamentals will guide you yeah. through everything. It, it goes back to like if you look everything at exercise, else is the cherry. If you look top. at health, fitness, if you look at like weightlifting, the fundamentals are what yeah. get you ripped. Or dieting. Yeah, it's it's calories always, in, calories it's out. Always rudiment. Yeah, it's rudimentary principles that guide you through everything. Yeah, and that's the same thing with occultism, respectfully. Yeah. I mean, at its core, you, you don't you don't have to be like a scholar. No, you don't have to be you don't an have academic. To read literature. You don't have to re- read literature. You, Literally, oh. the dogma the dogma is believe in yourself. Everything else yeah. falls into place after that. Once you start to believe in yourself, yeah. Once you get once you get the idea that you can influence or control reality with your own thoughts and feelings, that's all you need. Then you construct rituals. You do <laughs> so, like <laughs> the Bashar alien channeler guy. Um, he says, uh, he says any ritual that you do is just a permission slip to let you be more of yourself. I love that. So like, I mean, if you, whether you do a lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram or you make a sigil, or if you think one thought in the direction of your goals, 10,000 times, all that is, is you giving yourself permission to experience that reality. Yes. That's yeah, it. Yeah, that's it, it. It's a provocation. It's a like, liberation tool. It's a liberation yeah. tool. Um, I think we should end it because we've had so much good material. Like I'm looking at the time. I'm so happy with. <laughs> well, I don't really care. Done. I don't care about the time. Let me think if there's anything else that I wanted to go over. Um, start loving yourself. Yeah, that's honestly start working on yourself cuz And self-love is like uh How a how can you how can you give something target. how can you give something to someone else if you, you don't, don't have, have it, it yourself? Yep. So love oh, yourself but I don't want to hear that. But, but right. uh also pray for the people in your life in whatever way that works for you, whether it's through affirmation or praying Pray to God. Also, Pray to Satan. Uh, there's been a lot Pray. of you, like, <laughs> respectfully speaking, whatever listeners that we have, and I'll take that with whatever it is, you've been reaching out a lot. Um, I'm just going to come out and say this. We're a small community right now. Um, keep asking those questions. Like, yeah, you've got my personal, you've got my personals, you've got Jordan's hookups. Um, please continue to ask questions. Uh, as a matter of fact, send nothing it to makes me happier. Media. Nothing makes me happier than when you're asking questions because it challenges me. Please continue to ask questions or even just like give feedback. I want to hear all of it. Always, 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 it's, always, always. So it's, it's, it's invigorating. It's hard for us to know because we've been researching. Like Matt and I are addicted to learning and information. Yeah. So and analysis we've, paralysis. <laughs> we, we've been doing this for like decades at this point almost. So it's like it's hard I I have a it's almost impossible for me to look at it from like a more layman perspective. So like if there's anything you guys need or even if or, there's a topic that you want us to discuss, oh that would yeah. be cool. Please if you send in like feedback on things you want to have talked about, that would be sick. Sure. And even anonymously or if you want credit for it, that's fine. I don't I don't care. Yeah. We would like nothing gives me more stoked than a topic. So All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll wrap it up. Um I just want to say last week we received like an incredibly generous donation. Yeah. Uh, they didn't let me know if they wanted to me to say their name or anything, but I just, if you're listening, we'll keep it in the air. thank you. If you're listening, thank you. That was incredible. Like I, was I wasn't even expecting cool. that. Um, that'll help us, you know, sustain the, uh, we're going to ho- continue hosting cost and all that. Um, if you want to donate, 
Um, that'll help us get some merch stuff for like a Patreon. Um, it's going to help us get um, some better mics for like recording the guitar for uh, the tarot, uh, musical tarot project. Um, that's going to be uh, incredible. I, I had somebody know. reach out to me. I had, I had, a, I had a, a, a ghost from the past reach out to me and be like, where's the, the tarot? audio tarot was a clever idea. And honestly, that was like enough for me to be like, cool. Cause I, I got hit with some funk in it. Yeah. Like not believing in it, even though I, I use it all the time. But like, I was like, I don't know if people will like utilize this. Cause like when I pull a tarot card, I put a song on with it. Always, 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 always. Um, mm. that's just me. But anyway, anyway, golly, that's too much work for me. We are, uh, so, this um, is so much fun. So if you do want, <laughs> so if you do want to donate, we do have a link. So, and all of our links are on there. So it's, um, link tree slash fake magic and that's uh l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e forward slash fake magic one word and then with a k on the end so magic m-a-g-i-c-k um and then our our instagram is uh fake magic pod all one word and again magic is spelled m-a-g-i-c-k uh, Twitter is at fake magic, F A K E M A G I C K. Um, we were a little late with this one, but that's okay. Yeah, that's, li- that's li- a story. Life happens. Life that's a story happens. for another day. Uh, I was doing some trauma processing. We're gonna do a whole episode where we dive into uh, the body keeps the st- the score. Um, I forgot the. I can't remember the author's name. Uh, that's a really good book. Highly recommended. Um, thank you so much. We'll see you soon. We love you. We'll hear thank you, you soon or you'll yeah, hear us soon. Get a hold of us. Yeah. Love you. Love you. Kisses. <laughs>